Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $19 billion promotional products business. You guys notice ASI's release. Uh, I've been introing this at $17 billion. $19 billion is what ASI reported recently. Did you guys see that? Uh, yes, I, I know I did. I, I've, I've seen some really impressive numbers. Yeah, great. Uh, I, I'm Bobby Lehu. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Mark Graham, president of Right Sleeve and CEO of Common Skew. And joining us today, the voice you heard, is Heidi Thorne of Thorne Communications. Heidi's the author of uh, Swag, How to Choose and Use Promotional Products for Your mar- Marketing for Your Business, uh, the book Eco-Friendly Promotional Product Guide, a green marketing handbook for small business, and also the book T-Shirt Printing and Promotional Clothing Buyer's Guide, Money-Saving Tips for Marketing and Company Apparel. And we have known Heidi for a while, and we've been impressed at her business model and her overall professionalism and enthusiasm about the business. And Heidi is visiting with us today, and I hope we get into this in detail, about her hybrid business model. You can find Heidi at Promo with Purpose Today, PWP Today. And Heidi, welcome to the program. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, and, and welcome, gentlemen, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Now, Heidi, you do um, lots of speaking, and the way you have established your distributorship is is less like a distributorship and more like a, an agency. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, I would say it's it's extremely hybrid, um, but definitely following in more of an ad agency uh, model where I'm I'm not working with my clients on just you know like what is what's the promo product we need to do today. It's looking at how promo products fit in with everything else they're doing and um, I think that's that's a little bit different than the way a lot of my colleagues I know locally have um, approached the business you know they're they're still a number of them are still selling on the um, the what I call the retail level and, and granted I do have the retail aspect of my business you know I have a, um, a number of online shop sites that are um, built around certain uh, there's one that's pretty general, but then there's others that really target specific uh, markets, and that I leave for the retail side. I don't really, you know, really go hard at that, um, but um, that's just one aspect of what I do. But more or less, I really want people to look at promo products as part of their larger picture. Yeah, when you der- you derive your income then from. Mm-hmm various components in the marketing communication specter and what exactly what are some of the things that you actually bill for copywriting speaking right we can bill we bill for speaking um actually i have you know book revenues um actually i'm a paid blogger um there's just a lot of different pieces to to that puddle puzzle and not all of them fit in that standard promotional product distributorship uh model Um, um, I don't do any imprinting on site. Um, I, I outsource all those services to people who can do it cheaper, better, faster than I ever could and who are professionals. And um, I, what's interesting for, for me and and really blows some people's minds is that I do try and partner when I can with other promotional product distributors, again, 
those who can do it cheaper, better, faster than me for certain markets and certain types of products and in certain areas. I know uh, Mark and I have um, had a situation like I can only really sell in the United States. And so when I do get in because I do a lot of blogging in Canada. Um, when I have those inquiries, I do, you know, bring Mark in on that. So um, I think Appreciate we have to look at it more as, um, you know, we're, we all have a different um, professional uh, bent and uh, we all have different talents. And so I think we're, we're moving to an area where uh, we're less, you know, strict competitors uh, to more strategic partners. And um, I think, and, and I've, I think I've, I've gotten some positive feedback on that kind of uh, relationship with, uh, with some of the speaking I've done in the promotional arena, you know, where, where people are asking me, you know, how do I do this? You know, I know you've done it this way. Can you, can you help me? I'm no, I'm not in your market, <laughs> you know? So, um, so I think we have to look at each other's, you know, strengths and uh, see where we can have uh, partnering, uh, opportunities uh, coming up. Hmm. And and Heidi, thank you so much for uh, for some of those uh, referrals. They've been greatly appreciated, and uh, look forward to returning the favor when uh, when there's people in Chicago that are looking for the same uh, services. But I I'm, I, I think our <laughs> I, I think uh, Heidi, our listeners would be really interested to know on a percentage basis the breakdown of the services that you offer within your business. So I know that you do consulting and speaking and offering the, the traditional promotional products, but could, could you break that out from, uh, for, for us from a percentage perspective? You know, because right now we're at the, um, you know, we're finalizing all of our year-end figures, all of us are. And so I've, you know, looked at it and um, about 50, it's about 50-50. So I have about wow. 50 of my business is promotional products and the other 50 is you know all these other income streams that um, I have going for my business now this year what's interesting it, it's because there's been a shift in one of the the big chunks of what I used to do um, on an advertising level with uh, with a strategic partner um, they it was in the newspaper business and they had to um, and they shut down after the owner died and so um, you know that's shifting some of the some of my my business so um, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for the rest of the year uh, but but um, I would say at this year we might have more going on in the uh, the non promo side, you know, and and using that more as a platform uh, to help sell uh, promo, which is which is kind of the reason I've I've done some of these other um, these other. F- things in, in publishing and blogging and all of that was, you know, just to help build that, that part of the business. Um, I wish I could say it was automatic, uh, where it's, you know, you write, a, somebody reads a book and they're like, oh, I'm going to give her a $50,000 order. Right. <laughs> yeah, I right. wish. But Heidi, your, your background is interesting because when I hear that you, you talk about a 50% or sorry, a 50-50 split between consulting, speaking, and then the selling of traditional pro- promotional products, that, that ratio is very unusual in our business. And, and I'd be interested to explore your background and, and how you got into the business because most people who get into the promotional business start off as product sellers and then they find it very, very hard to offer consulting, speaking, design services, and then they typically end up 
exclusively as promotional products people. Um, was your background a little bit different in terms of how you came into this business? Because your approach is very different. Definitely. I um, was working very in advertising, and one of my clients uh, was in have a, it was an agency, and um, you know they're still a really good good group, and. Um, they wanted me to work for them, you know, so that they could, you know, kind of, we could kind of partner together. Um, and I worked for them for a very short period of time, like maybe a, a half a year or so. And they were out of state and it was just, you know, it was just a little too much to try and try and juggle that. And um, I wanted to do some different things, you know, they, you know, they, and, and they, they had a very hybrid model as well. And, but my hybrid model was, something I wanted to do very differently. And so that was many, many years ago now. And so I, um, I just started out on my own. A very small piece of my business was promo at that point. And um, I just sold to a couple of my, my advertising clients and uh, then, then branched off uh, into that. And I, what I found and, and why I, I kind of branched off even further into this hybrid model was I found that a lot of people, uh, clients, didn't know how to buy this stuff. I mean, they really, they were making so many mistakes, you know, it was, and it wasn't that the, the product was bad or the imprinting was bad or anything like that. It was bad for what they were trying to accomplish. You know, I'd, I'd have clients who had, you know, highly mobile customers themselves and then they'd select things that you can only use in an office, you know, <laughs> but because they, they liked it. You know, they, right, they had, right. <laughs> there was none of this, you know, connecting with, you know, okay, what am I trying to accomplish with this piece? And, you know, how is this fitting into my, my larger, larger profit and marketing objectives? And, and I think that's why, you know, eventually I, I wrote the book, the swag. I started out that, um, you know, that actually was started out as an e-newsletter a um, number of years ago, uh, we just uh, tell you know cl clients about tips and ideas and that sort of thing, and and then that evolved into a blog, which evolved into books, which involved evolved into speak. It's been more of an evolution, I think, more than anything else, and 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 really seeing you know what what's missing, what's the missing piece with um, these people, you know, when they're trying to do marketing, what what are they missing, and then trying to fill those gaps. You know, Heidi, uh, I I do a class on content marketing, and I showed one of your videos that you do, and. Uh, content marketing has been kind of, in my opinion, slow to the take in our industry yet. B2B marketers are all about it, and it is probably the number one objective in most B2B marketing environments. Um, what you do, you produce a lot of content. And when you first started doing that, did you did you do second guess yourself on on some of the things that you do? Because the you have the videos, and you do a lot of, of course, copywriting as well. Um, when you first started out, was that a struggle? Uh, yes, actually, I'll tell you what, um, I resisted getting involved with YouTube for a long time. And the reason I did is, as you'll see, if you, if you attend any of my other webinars and video and is that I really didn't want to be with all the crazy cat videos <laughs> <laughs> or the stupid human tricks, right. you know? 
it's it was when it started out it was just this this useless content that you know business really wanted didn't want anything to do with and i got to admit that i was in that in that group um and so i but i did want to get into more speaking because i was doing more of it on the you know the local level and i thought oh man i got to get uh, i got to get a video done well okay i had i have some great to some beautiful video work and um, I put together my my quick promo video and it was fun and it turned out very very well but the fact was even though I got a little bit of a discount from my friends I mean we're looking at a couple grand yeah. you know video I mean a rule of thumb that you know I usually use is like you know you can easily spend spend a thousand dollars a minute um, for a produced minute of video and that is extremely expensive and after a couple of videos on that level I said you know I will go broke yeah. <laughs> trying to do this and you know then I saw some people online who were doing what they call vlogging um, Gary Vaynerchuk is a big uh, vlogger out there uh, the combination of video and blogging and so I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot and just use my, my webcam and um, just, just definitely um, get them turn off the phone here. <laughs> it's an order coming in right now. Yeah, that's right. Book. <laughs> Usually it's telemarketers. Uh, but, yeah. But um, anyway, so I started uh, the, uh, the the webcam videos because I wanted to make them very conversational. I wanted them to be like I'm talking to either a client or a friend or colleague um, about this particular topic so that it, it came off very natural um, as opposed to very produced uh, because you need actually both types of video. And I think Mark and I have talked about this before. You need the professional video that's the one you show at all the trade shows and you have it running in your booth and it's on your website and all of that but then when you're really trying to get that content out there and uh, really talk to people um, on a little more personal level um, you definitely want to use um, maybe a little less produced a video and there's some people who are doing some amazing work like that. But um, I've noticed that some of them who start out with uh, this whole webcam kind of, you know, vlogging, it's very conversational, then they evolve into this beautifully produced video, and then it loses something. It loses that that spontaneity, it loses that, that personal touch, and it looks very produced beautiful but still um i don't know if it's if it's it has the same effect on, on right, maybe people. less maybe less authentic and and you know i remember heidi we were in i think it was in san diego uh last year when we were both on the speaking um speaking tour with asi and you pulled me aside and you had a little mini tripod and you had your iPhone and we then sat down, I think in a corridor at the, at the Long Beach Convention Center or sorry, the San Diego Convention Center. And we talked about video and it was, it was super low budget. It was uh, not edited. And uh, it was, it was pretty interesting to see how it is that you were able to get that up. And then to the people that subscribe to your, to your YouTube property. And, you know, I know that that's one of the things you talk about a lot in your, in your sessions, 
uh, is just the ease with which people can get online with great video content. I mean, all they need to do is put one word in front of the other, and then boom, they're they're in business. So it's uh, it certainly doesn't require much in the way of expense. Absolutely not. You can easily uh, get going with uh, video content uh, for less than a hundred dollars, and as for blogging, same thing, you know, and, and we're at that point right now where all of these tools are now free or very low cost to us. The cost comes in where it's the actual developing the content. It's actually yeah. the work. And I think that's where people are, are stumbling. You know, they see all these free tools out there and they think it just automatically happens. <laughs> <laughs> It really doesn't. You have to have you have to have an objective. You know what am I trying to do, and why am I, you know, and the whole promo with purpose um, moniker of my business is, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? And uh, I think a lot of people don't know why they need to do video or why they they should do video. And so then it breaks down at that point, you know, and then they decide not to do anything. So um, I think, you know, what I like to do with video are the ones, the the posts that really need a visual. You know, I'm trying to show either a brand new product or a new way it. That video is a perfect medium for that because we have, we're dealing with a generation now that uh, grew up with, TV. I mean, even even all of us on this call, and we're not saying we're old or anything, but I mean, <laughs> Mark TV. is. Yeah, Mark is. Oh, come on. Right. That falls flat on his face when you try to make fun of me. Come <laughs> yeah, on. That's terrible. I know, I know. Go, go ahead, Heidi. White TVs, okay? So, you know, that's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it, we... We didn't grow up in an era with computers and the internet. I mean, there are people now that I am working with um, who, you know, were were babies when I was in college. <laughs> and, you know, and, and they're they're so internet savvy, and you know, they're used to seeing and using video content. Uh, it is just just part of the way they the way they communicate. So um, I think if you're not using video in some some way in your organization particularly for promotional and, and we we have something that's so visual <laughs> yeah. you know we all these lovely lovely items that are are new and exciting and and they're just perfectly made for video so um i think people are, are missing missing the boat if they're not uh, getting on board at least in some small way does it does it surprise you that we there isn't more engagement with video from our in our industry? I think so, and and I think part of it is because um, this industry has become commoditized. Yeah, and, and I think we're not thinking we're clients are not thinking. Okay, now how do I use this, right. or how do I, how do I blend this piece, this pen, this t-shirt whatever into my marketing they don't really care you know right now they think they know everything there is to know yeah. <laughs> about using promotional products it is what it you know it, it's just a commodity right. and it's so sad because it really isn't you know when you when you look at it in the larger picture it is not it is not a commodity and i would rather have people not use it at all <laughs> instead of use it poorly so yeah. um 
you know, it, it's it, we're just at an interesting juncture right now, and we have a lot of really big uh, retailers of promotions online, and yeah. a lot of of ASI and whatnot, and they do a phenomenal job. Um, they have got the logistical pieces of the puzzle completely worked out, and I think they're you know they're really. Um, you know they're really making those gains, and that's fine. And, if, and there are there are a group of clients that that's all they want. You know they they don't care what if it matches their marketing. They don't care if it you know achieves any objectives. They just want to get stuff, and that's fine. And you know what? For those clients, then that's a great site for them. Yeah. <laughs> but for the- that are more thoughtful and uh, you know the more of the what I call the consulting level client uh, those are the ones that are asking me you know hey you know I I here's what I want to do and here's what I want to achieve what what will make sense for me you know those are the kind of clients that I want to work with right now and um, you know and they're and really they're less price sensitive yep. because they're yep. They're looking at it from a different a different perspective than just getting stuff. Yeah. Uh, so um, those are the kind of clients I know that I'm looking for as a promotional products distributor as well as a marketing consultant. So, mm. Heidi, you um, I, I want to switch gears slightly and 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 still continue talking about this idea of the visual side of our business, but switch gears to talk about 3D printing. And 3D printing is, of course, something you know a lot about. And you uh, you wrote a great article on Promo Kitchen um, a few weeks ago. And I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to get into it because I, I think there's a lot of fascination uh, in the industry about 3D printing and where it's going to go and whether it's going to be a fad or whether it's going to actually have legs. And um, I'll, I'll share with you a quick little story, and then I'll throw a question at you. So I um, attended a 3D printing workshop in a maker space uh, here in Toronto a couple of months ago. Um, and it was given by people in the, in the DIY um, do-it-yourself uh, uh, makers community here in Toronto. And I was really interested to go and check it out. And, and um, <clears throat> so I went and the, the idea was you're going to learn how to print whatever you want with 3D printing. It'll be awesome. And, and I loved it. However, when I walked out of there, I was like, that was really finicky. It was really fussy. It took like three hours to print like this really basic uh, keychain. Um, and then the next one that I printed didn't really look like the first one. And the machine had to be, uh, um, it, I had to say a prayer before the machine was going to work. And I walked out and I was like, I'm not so sure whether this is really ready for any sort of mainstream. And as much as I was really fascinated by the potential of it, I was like, I think I'm going to have to come back in two years when this is really off its training wheels. Um, so my question to you, Heidi, is um, where, when do you see uh, 3D printing legitimately taking off and posing a threat to the traditional importers of promotional products. I mean, when does leads have to be really worried that 3D printing is going to put them out of business? They will ever have to be worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're wonderful at everything they do, and I just, I just adore them. Uh, but I don't think we're probably going to see anything in that arena. Probably for the next five to ten years, anything that is 
reasonable. You know, it's kind of the same scenario with cell phones. Now, I'm looking at, you know, the first phone that I had, cell phone that I had, was a bag phone. It was a big monstrosity that looked like a camera bag. <laughs> You know, my pager, my first pager was, you know, bigger than my, than my iPhone is right now, you know, and, and the, the amount, the, the swiftness with which, you know, some of these technologies are developing is, is astronomical. And I would say probably within the next decade, we might see just the first, the first ones, right? I mean, right now you can do it. It doesn't mean that it it can scale right now. And I think that's what Mark is, is noting right there. The technology doesn't scale currently. It's a lot of DIY stuff. It's not, um, it's not anything where you can go to the Best Buy or one of the, big box stores and say, hey, I want I want uh, one of those 3D printers. Now, yeah. we used to have, I mean, I mean, think about how swiftly this has come on board. I mean, I got my first laser from, you know, mid-90s, and it was like $3,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, is, you know, so much more powerful, and I think I got it for 300 you know. Wow. So, I think it's just a natural progression, and I think we can make these things happen faster than we ever have in in manufacturing history. Uh, But I would say still we're at a point where it's uh, you know five to ten years in the in the in in the making right now. You know, Eric here in our office pointed out uh, how this is already cutting into some of the revenue in our industry based on a story actually out of Toronto. Believe it or not, out of Toronto, this was in Hard Make, to believe. I know, Make Magazine, makezine.com was where the story was featured, and it was a small company, about 30 employees, and what they, a jeweler actually came up with was the idea to personalize Pez dispenser heads. Mm-hmm. They took the employees, cool. and uh, every employee had their own personalized Pez dispenser. Now, when you think about it, that was for an employee gift that's cutting right into Revenue. We've talked about this uh, a lot in our industry that we might not uh, necessarily be uh, victims of disintermediation or some big retailer like Amazon as much as we might be seeing revenues, things that we would sell being sideswiped by really other types of industries or services if we're just not thinking like Heidi suggests very creatively. And, you know, I think that's, that's a really interesting um, uh, note is that we are getting sideswiped yeah. all kinds of other industries. You know, yeah. I, I, it, it just amazes me. Sometimes I'll go to um, some of these networking events uh, locally and, you know, I say, well, you know, I do promotional products and, and marketing and whatnot. And, and then the next person I meet, oh, yeah, you know what? I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Right. Really? Maybe. And, um, you know, again, that whole, you know, the big box retailers, the ones who have worked out the logistical portions of it, you know, they're going to make some early gains here. Uh, But in terms of the mass customization, which is a big trend, uh, we see it with clothing, we see it, you know, in other, other arenas, Um, you know, you've got, you've got sites like Cafe Press and Zazzle and and all of those, you know, where these people can get a promotional product. I mean, even my husband's done that for some of his blogging. He's gotten a couple t-shirts, you know, and he wants a one-off you know a one or two off and i think that's 
that's the kind of market where, you know, a traditional promotional product distributor is going to lose. Uh, I mean, the, it's not scalable because you're doing one-off type stuff. Um, I don't know how those people do it, and but we have the technology to do it. I mean, I look yep. at my my books that I have on Amazon. I, I went through the first book uh, through a, a self-publishing consultant, more or less, and it worked out very well. And it's on Amazon iTunes and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but the next books I did, I did directly with Amazon's uh, CreateSpace program. Yep. They print on demand, meaning, you know, I don't have, I, you know, I have a few books that I keep for, you know, for using at events and whatnot. Uh, but other than that, they print it on demand when you want it. Yep. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, a, it's a perfectly produced book. You know, it's yep. a perfect found it's you know got the glossy covers the the pages are cut i mean everything is perfect now they've worked out that technological puzzle that that completely obliterates most publishers you know and yep. and we're going to have that same that same thing coming down the pike you know mm. it's you know those those companies and i look at a lot of my customers too they have um maybe a small first Maybe a, a select group of customers that they really want to treat well and um, give them a lot of custom stuff. You know, they'll want 25 of this or, you know, 50 of that. Well, you know, you can do that on an awards level, but they're looking for usually where I see this happening is, I know this sounds strange, but with action figures, I, I, I get every once in a while an inquiry for custom action figures now i can yep. never fulfill that because you know the the quantities that you need are like 10,000 15,000 yeah. and, yep. and they yep. want, you know 50 of them to give away to as prizes or something like that so i think that and we're seeing also a lot of development of micro businesses or the Soho market, this you know small office home office um, group of people. Well, they want promotional products too, and I do get several inquiries from those types of people, but they just can't. It just they just can't afford it, and you know to buy two hundred and fifty of something, they'll be using that for the next ten years. You know, yeah. so, so I think um, as we see the you know the rise of some of these um, small micro businesses, I think you know the, that three D printing and having the the ability to do low quantity um, customization is, is going to be a, a huge a huge deal. Speaking well, I think go ahead, Mark. Or I, the the only quick thing I was going to say there is that as as, as I left this workshop, I was uh, on one hand I was um, a bit deflated because I wanted to like, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to come back with the common skew skewbot perfectly I... made for my kids because they would think I was like the coolest dad ever, and I came back with like something that was like a melted candlestick. It was like awful. <laughs> However. The other part of me was so excited about it because I was thinking, like, this is where dot matrix printing was, you know, in the in the mid nineteen eighties when you had that meh, 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 meh kind of three D matrix printer. Bobby, I think you still have those at Robin, right? But yeah, actually, I'm um, one now, right? Um, 
But, but you know, you think about how primitive those printers were at the time and you think about where they've come now. So A, in terms of how they've dropped in cost and B, how they've effectively opened up these industries and, and printing today has become a platform that didn't exist 20 years ago. Um, so I totally agree with you, Heidi, that I think that uh, 3D printing will never put Leeds or Prime or any of these uh, excellent uh, uh, larger suppliers of ours in the business. I don't think it'll ever put them out of business, but I think that what'll happen is there'll be this whole new breed of distributor, a whole new breed of entrepreneur that might not even be part of this promotional products industry that we're part of now that is starting to eat market share or just go after a completely different customer. So I'm I'm really excited about it. Have, you, have either of you played with the new uh, Vine app from Twitter? No, I have not. I have seen some stuff about it, but no, I, I have to admit that I have not. It's very interesting. I, I think there is a, definitely a place for that in our business, not, not just for the um, interactive items in our industry. When you think about, gosh, how many interactive, there's a lot of interactive products in our industry from flashing buttons to sounds to um, you know disappearing ink mugs and, and lots of things. Even the static items, though, that aren't. Uh, necessarily uh, that variable I could see a place for that and I, I'm actually surprised I, I, I think it's somewhat fascinating I haven't seen anyone do this yet and, and maybe one of us three needs to be the first ones to do it in our marketing using the meta story the story behind the story the story of the actual finished good but also what it took to get there everything right. behind it so and on the the vine app i fully expect some manufacturers in our industry to step up and really start using that because i think it would be fascinating now they may have issues yeah. with copyright or showing logos from various companies but i, I it's been in, interesting to see because if the vine app takes off like instagram did it'd behoove all of us to start playing with it now oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I think it's just ios right bobby right now it is yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. only the righteous mark only the cool guys, yeah. Right. I, I still have my. Uh, it's a Vic Twenty mobile phone I have right now. Um, <laughs> just, uh, I, you got rid of the trio, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the stylus. I still like that stylus. You know, I've also got an external <laughs> keyboard that I like to carry with me too. Right. Well, you know, and, and, and those platforms are changing so quickly, and, and I think that brings an interesting, an interesting aspect to uh, promotional products that relate to mobile and uh, mobile technologies. And what I really recommend for a lot of my customers, because I am in that mobile marketing scene, is that if you are going to do a promotional product for a mobile, a mobile device, make it as generic as possible because you know, within six months, we're going to have another new, <laughs> another new design out there taking, taking over. So, um, and, and, and that's affecting, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've gotten a number of requests for like custom iPad skins and, and all that type of thing. And, you know, I really have to ask them, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? You know, it's that same question, you know, what are you trying to, what are you trying to get done here? And um, a custom, you know, eye skin is, is you know not going to do it in a lot of cases because you 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 alienate everybody in the Android market if you <laughs> do right. something phone. Um, so I you know I think we have to be you know careful and and so I I really kind of take that cautiously or or, or look at those inquiries very cautiously and, and try to uh, steer them into something that's a little more relevant to what they're trying to do. Yeah. So. You know, some of these tools we use, uh, I've seen this mistake over and over, and we struggle with it too, but um, 
distributors in particular, but possibly suppliers that look at some of the tools we're talking about, some of the marketing tactics we're talking about, and they go to them, they start to use them, and they immediately see low numbers, and they're comparing their numbers with dancing cats and other kinds of things like that. And the, the bottom line is what you're really trying to do is build a tribe of people that are very interested in following you, whether it's a tribe of 12 or 24 or 80. But I see a lot of people get tripped up in that. As I'm looking at some of your videos, I see some high numbers and I see some low numbers. I see some surprisingly high numbers, things like your pop-up 3D calendar video that got 1,465 views. So what's your advice to people as they get into starting to create and do their own marketing? What's your go-to-market advice for distributors? For distributors with that, first of all, again, start small. Um, on a budget level and on a video level and you're going to have to be consistent. Start small and remain consistent. Mm-hmm. I think those are the, the two, the two big, biggest things that are hard for people uh, because what I see a lot of people do with video and I have some, some very personal examples of that. Uh, they get it all excited about video and then they think they have to go out and spend you know $1,200 on a camera and they get the lighting kit and you know all this kind kinds of stuff. And then they start making the video and they realize that it takes time and then they just end up, you know, walking away from it and then they've wasted their money and then they don't continue with it. So it's, I see a lot of one shot kind of stuff with um, blogging, with video, with social media, with email marketing, you know, because they're, the gains that you get from those things are long term. Yeah. They, you know, for interestingly, I mean, I, I'm one of the few people that I know who has actually made money from Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, you know, and, and very few people can say that they've gotten clients through Twitter. And, um, and I have. And it, it took me, you know, did I get on Twitter and say, hey, I'm a promotional products person. Come on over. You know? right. did, did it work like that? No. Um, a number of these clients, it took me six months, a year. Um, some of them are now repeat clients, which is great. Um, I, I, you know, had some really interesting business. I got to do the contest swag for a TV show as a result of being on Twitter. So, um, you know, again, I mean, I never would have touched that LA market without being on Twitter. You know, never in a million years. I mean, I wouldn't have even known how to go about it. And so, um, again, it's consistent. And, you know, am I on Twitter every day? I try to be, but I'm not going to. And I'm really trying to go social media free on the weekends. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds familiar. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) you know, trying to keep a consistent presence with their content, my blog posts, links to helpful articles that relate to marketing, that relate to promotions, um, or to football, depending on the day. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but no, seriously, and, and you mix it up, you know, you certainly want to have, you know, article content going out there or your own content or other people's content. You want to have some conversation going on with people. Um, 
just it, you need to have a mix, but you need to have, be consistent over over time. And there's so many people. I mean, I've been on Twitter now. I I got on in 2008. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world, and I really didn't get started with it until like the middle of 2009. And what's really interesting is that because I I fully filled out my bio. Um, as to, you know, I, I was, I had experience in the trade show industry and all of that. And then I had all these people from trade shows following me, you know, because they were, you know, just looking for other people who did events and shows. And, uh, so I met so many people through that route. It, it, it is, it is amazing. And I think that's the other thing, too, is people don't know how, what to put on social media or video or anything. They just don't know what what content to put out there. And again, my, my purpose was to get new clients and um, to get new op- PR opportunities out of, out of being on Twitter. Um, I have some arguments with people that, you know, they say, oh, well, it's supposed to be social and you're supposed to just be friends and all this. And you know what? Um, Most of my friends don't buy from me. (laughs) (laughs) It's people that are like one or two levels removed from from my my core friend group. You know, they're. They're, um, you know, they're looking at it more professionally. You know, they're not here. I mean, I group around with my friends on social media and, and that's fine. And there's a place for that. But I've noticed that my friends on social media are also good, like, um, third party sources. You know, I can say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or um, I'm having a hard time with this. Do you have anybody you can refer me to? So, you know, there, there's a different, a different type of benefit you get from, from those relationships. And, and I, I think people don't look at that, you know, the social media, blogging and all this stuff as, as a, again, a, a part of a whole, you know, they, they just think they need to get, they need to get on there. They think they, they try and, and I, I really blame the direct mail industry for this. Um, you know, it, it, the spray and pray type of thing, you know, where, oh, I do X number of tweets, I should get a 2% return on that. Well, it doesn't work like that right. at all. <laughs> and, I think that's that's where people are really getting messed up yeah. is that, um, they're trying to compare uh, these new tools that, that we have uh, to what they've always used. Yeah, that's some great information, Heidi. We are so glad to have you on today because that is very helpful. I love how we can um, how you're willing to share your experience, particularly how to diversify your portfolio as a distributor. So this has been very refreshing to have you uh, on the podcast today. Um, we have the famous 10 questions. Are you ready for our famous 10 questions? I am so ready. All right, great, great. Well, I'll just get started then, and then and, and we can wrap up here. Uh, okay, number one, what is your favorite word? Well, I first of all, awesome is out there a lot of the time. Fantastic, I a lot of the, that a lot of the time. But I think my favorite word is hit either like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious or onomatopoeia. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's good. That's different. You're a very positive person, so uh, that it's infectious. You can tell. So, room, desk, and car. Which do you clean first? Oh, uh, room and desk. I have a standing date with um, with my house. 
at least once a month and then usually a lighter a lighter date um you know in the meantime uh but car oh my goodness um i you know i wish i could say it was less than a year that i i did that i i you know when i go to bring it in for service and they say well would you like to have that washed and and vacuumed <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> favorite animated film um, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Oh, that's unexpected. Oh, that's wow. fantastic. I didn't expect that one. Uh, is, uh, blame Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually everyone always fault. blames us. Yeah. you know, it's not not very nice. Yeah, Celine Dion's your fault too. So, number four, favorite <laughs> beverage. <laughs> favorite beverage is Starbucks green iced tea, no sweetener. Mm. Um, and actually, I have one in my hand right now. Awesome. Favorite Mars visit? You can only take the complete works of one artist and an author with you. Who are they? Okay. Artist is Picasso. Why? Because he is an innovator and he was always reinventing himself. And um, I think that's that's what you're going to need when you're on Mars. <laughs> and in terms of author, um, it is kind of a visual author, in, interestingly. Um, Alan Fletcher uh, with the book, which is looks like a almost a phone book, um, a big old phone book, is uh, The Art of Looking Sideways. And... Um, Another book, Picturing and Poeting. Uh, they are very philosophical, and he was, you know, in the advertising industry. You know, I, I would say more in the the Mad Men era type era, and um, his his perspective on, on on life and art is is unbelievable. And um, it's it's a book that I would take with me anywhere, and you can get a new insight from it every single time. That's cool. I definitely wrote that one down. That's good advice. Uh, what excites you about our industry? Um, I think it, it, there's always something new and it's always changing. And because it it engages multiple senses, uh, because a lot of these things like mobile and email marketing and social media, it's, it's very visual, uh, sometimes audio, but um, when you can add touch to it, um, you'll know that you can you really engage people more in more ways and better ways. What deflates you about our industry? Oh, the commoditization of yes. it, and and the the um, image that it is just stuff, and and that that old sales salesperson image, um, I think is just you know the jobbers, the yeah. job. I, I think it's just so hard for us to get around, you know, even though we've made massive strides in becoming more agency oriented, more marketing consulting oriented, and a real good book about moving from sales to, um, you know, this whole new thing is uh, To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink. It is an amazing book that just came out, and uh, you'll never think about sales in the same way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. What profession other than our own would you like to attempt? Uh, well, you know, I'm kind of attempting several of them right now. <laughs> it sounds like it. That's true. <laughs> 
and speaking. And I, I did used to teach. I used to teach college. And I think I'd probably go back to that. Um, but maybe maybe not teaching business um, again. Maybe teaching philosophy or, or um, writing is, is just a, a general um, subject um, as opposed to uh, business-oriented uh, writing. Since you are so versatile, maybe a better question is what profession would you not like to do? Oh, maid service. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way on God's green you would get me. <laughs> and final final question. Uh, favorite app, software, or software at the moment? Oh, I you know, I've got quite a few. I would say um, that... Um, that Google is uh, got just about everything going on. I I don't think there's anything I don't do that's Google related yeah. in a day. I mean, it, it is amazing. Uh, but a couple of the other apps that I like um, are you know, and I think I probably have about sixty of them on my phone. <laughs> I like um, I like this one called uh, Feedler. RSS. It's an RSS reader and it's really, really easy to use. Um, and it works well even if I'm not in a completely Wi-Fi enabled environment uh, so that I can catch up on, you know, what's going on in the world. And of course, the NFL app and the NHL app. Ah, all right. Uh, that, that, that's cool. <laughs> what else can I answer? That's it. That's our 10 questions. That's, uh, it has been so nice to get to know you more, Heidi. And you, uh, we, you and I, Mark, have talked um, offline at shows, but we have respected you since the day you hit um, uh, you know, our radar. And we appreciate just how out there you are in terms of being willing to risk, being willing to do things different. And you have you know, a very um, big heart for educating others to do, to do it as well. So thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely welcome. Appreciate yeah, the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you so much. Mark, did you have any final questions before we close? No final questions, but I fondly remember Heidi when when I was in Chicago uh, either a year or two ago, and we went out to that great restaurant, and uh, we ex- we exchanged lots of uh, best practices, and it was uh, you know the beginning of of a great relationship. So thank you for joining us here today. It was really awesome. Thank you. Thank you. you thank you. You bet. We're definitely richer for having you on. And uh, for our listeners, if you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment, let us know about it, or get on iTunes or wherever you listen. Make a comment. We love to hear from you in one way, shape, form, or another. So, guys, until next time. Thank you. All right, Heidi. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll see you soon.